I was always envious of people who who knew not envious, but um, that's not the right word. Well, maybe it is. That who knew what they're supposed they, they want to do their whole life. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to be, and they did it. And me, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to be, you know, doing this or you know, selling real estate, isn't it? You know. Um, and then when once I figured out acting, and that's what I wanted to do, and then I had this uh, really uh, uh, good job uh, as a risk manager, it, um, it it butted heads. One was paying well, the other one is what I wanted to do. And uh, you miss auditions, you're gone all the time, you can't do theater anymore, and it really affected me. I wasn't my best self in the position, um, my attitude, and it affected my sleep. I would wake up insomnia, terrible insomnia. Um, there's nights I'd sleep an hour, wake up three constantly and be up all day. Um, since I left that job, um, I sleep till six, sometimes seven in the morning, and it's great, and I have dreams. <laughs> Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. That voice you heard a moment ago was my high school friend, Kenneth Ruthart. He was 46 and minding his own business when the acting bug bit him. He didn't know anything about the craft, but he jumped in and started figuring it out. That was seven years ago, and since then, he's performed in 15 plays, nine TV shows, four movies, and even flew first class once. At 6'4", he is the world's tallest Apache and is developing an acting workshop to help other natives across Indian country develop their talent. I can't wait for you to hear his story. He's awesome. But before we get started, I want to remind you that you have a free guide waiting for you. Um, You just have to sign up for it. It's designed to help you start taking the step towards your next act. It's a workbook called Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. And you can sign up to receive it as an email series. It has uh, practical exercises that you can use over the course of several weeks to get past feeling stuck. I'll remind you about it at the end of the episode and tell you where to go to sign up if you're interested. Oh, and one more thing. Guys, I am having way too much fun exploring Clubhouse. Seriously, I have made so many great connections there, including finding new guests with awesome stories for you to hear. And I want to invite you to come on over there and join the conversation live. So every Tuesday night, I'm co-hosting a room with my friend Deborah Schwartzfarb with the topic... What's your next chapter? Each week, we're opening up the conversation to talk to each other and other late bloomers to explore where we might go from here. You can follow me on Instagram and watch my stories for reminders and information. Okay, without further ado, here's Kenneth Ruthart. Let's go. Hey, Kenneth, thank you so much for being here. Hi, hello, Yvonne. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. 
I am looking forward to it. I'm so glad you decided to do this with me. So um, for those of you listening, you know, I always like to talk about how I know my guests. And it turns out Kenneth and I have known each other since high school. And um, in fact, for any of you who have been listening since the beginning of this, you might remember <laughs> Donita Mama Bear, who was my first guest. And we, the three of us, um, managed to, uh, we got pretty close our, our senior year, I would say, is when <laughs> that whole, the, when the planets converged and everything, and we started uh, hanging out and getting into all kinds of trouble. And uh, I know where the bodies are buried, too. Yes, yes, <laughs> you also know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So funny. And and it's funny because we don't talk very often now, but you're one of those people that I just always feel connected to. And, and I always feel like we can pick up where we left off. And uh, so I'm so glad that you decided to come and do this with me today. Well, thanks for yeah having me. I'm, it's it's You don't go through life having very many friendships to where you can do that. You can just pick up where you left off and um, there's few people you can do that with and glad one of them is you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I am going to tell, I am going to, I'm going to talk about um, your chief moniker. Okay. So um, back in high school, everybody called you chief. And so Donita and I, that that's how we very lovingly think of you. And that is not how you, you don't go by chief anymore. You go by Kenneth. If I slip, I'm just going to apologize right now. Cause it's, that is, that is who you are in my head, but let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you got that name and, uh, and, and why you stopped using it. Um, well, in my freshman year of high school, uh, a teacher, uh, was telling me, he said, have you ever seen the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? And I said, nope. And he said, well, you look like Chief in that movie. And he says, I'm going to start calling you Chief from now on. And it just stuck. Um, so from my freshman year till probably uh, even today, um, nobody knows who Kenneth Ruthart is. Um, but those same people know, know me by my other name. Um, it wasn't a malicious or a derogatory term when he he um, he said that, and you know my my friends, they uh, they didn't use it that way, and I never felt uh, slighted by it. But then uh, later on in life, I uh, uh, realized that that's probably not the best thing to go by, so I started going by my name, Kenneth. Yeah, yeah. not Ken. Kenneth. Kenneth. Full on <laughs> Kenneth. And, and I mean, a lot of it probably had to do with your size, right? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, six foot four. And um, I think I was six four my freshman year in high school. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that had a lot, a lot to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And so when you, I think you were 25, you told me when you went to the, re- to live on the reservation for the first time. Yep. Uh, I was adopted out as a, an infant and raised by a, a white family um, where I grew up as pri- predominantly white neighborhood, white friends, every, everything. Um, there are very few minorities. 
Um, and so when I was 25, uh, my dad had passed away about the year before, oh, five years before. And I finally wanted to find out, you know, who, where I came from, who my, my biological mother was. And so I um, found out and met my family and uh, ended up moving back to the uh, reservation, Mescalero Apache Reservation in southern New Mexico, south central New Mexico, up in the mountains. Beautiful there. Absolutely beautiful. Gorgeous there. Uh, Gorgeous area. Pine-covered mountains. And um, mm -hmm. I ended up staying for four years. So Four years. Different world. Yep. Wow. I don't um, think you and I ever talked about that. That's like a whole other story. We're yeah, we'll, we're gonna <laughs> yeah we're gonna give it short shrift today. But I definitely would love to know what that was like for you, um, because I kind of want to fast forward more to to um, to our current life and uh, and this whole middle aged thing that <laughs> 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 we are in the middle of. Um, because, you know, it, it's funny with this podcast, every now and again, I'll realize that one of my friends has an amazing story that I completely didn't even think about until I do. And then I'm like, oh, and I knew I knew then I, as soon as I thought of it, I was like, I, I really need to talk to Kenneth about this. So um when you were, I think 45 is when you got bit by the acting bug. Am 45, I... 46, somewhere in there. Yeah. Ish. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So I want to know. So, so for me, I knew from the time I was six that I wanted to be an actor. That, that was it. That, there was really no other option in my head. That was everything I wanted, all I wanted to do. And then, and then in midlife for me, I, I, I walked away from it. Um, and that was a complete, uh, that was such a shift in who, in, in my, my perception of myself, um, massive shift because I, it was all I had ever focused on. And all of a sudden I was lost. You flipped that and, uh, you were doing other things and then you got bit by the acting bug and jumped in with both feet, I would say. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, acting was never on my radar, never thought of it. Um, I remember seeing you in Steel Magnolias at some playhouse in El Paso. Oh and... my goodness. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I haven't, um, never thought of it, never considered it. And then, um, in when I was 45, 46, it was a hot summer day and my wife, um, had a rather lengthy to-do list. Okay, we need to do this in the yard. We need to do this in the yard. We need to do this in the yard. And I'm like, whew, wow, I need to find something else to do. So <laughs> I found a, a newspaper <laughs> and I just happened to come across a casting call, no experience necessary. You know, it happened to be today, you know, this afternoon. And I brought it to my wife and I said, uh, I'm gonna go do this. <laughs> That's so <laughs> hilarious. So I, <laughs> oh my gosh that's so I win. so you were just shirking yard work it's really <laughs> i'm allergic to that i hate that <laughs> oh so, my goodness uh, i went to the casting call and there were other like real actors there and they were serious about it and i was just happy not to be working in the yard and um i noticed they started you know 
getting sides and you know running lines and I was like yeah whatever and then as we were walking upstairs into the studio um I some my little boys said you know you need to take this seriously so I got my sides and started you know reading them studying them memorizing them and then um went into the casting room um did my thing and um uh, I, I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I really, really liked it. And you, when you're in the casting room, you have the, the director, uh, there's a couple producers there as well. Mm-hmm. And the camera was on and I, I've never been in there. Was, I was going in there just to do it. And, um, I, it felt good because you're looking at, you know, your reader, the person you're off camera, you're working in the scene with, and you at your periphery, you can see the, uh, their reaction to what you're doing. And mm-hmm. it's just like, you see him, you know, make a little movement and you're like, huh, you know, maybe we should play poker. And uh, <laughs> um, I did it and then I left and I went home and on the way home, it was weird because I was like, this is great acting. I really like this. And it just kind of literally grabbed my soul and said, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. And mm. um it was weird because that never happened to me. I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, and it's like, I need to figure this out. And serendipity, you know, was still working. And there was another ad in the paper for uh, an acting workshop, introduction to acting the following day. And mm. I'm going. And wow, what interesting timing. Yeah, it all, all the, the planets lined up. It was nice. And yeah. I just jumped in with both feet and figured it out. Wow. Yeah. So wow. I'm an actor because I don't want to do yard work. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. Um, wow. So, so was it for a commercial? Was it for, oh, what was it, was it for? for uh, it was for a movie. It was um, mm-hmm. Drunk Town's Finest that ended up being a uh, Sundance selection. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. It all just worked out. I played a um, mentally challenged uh, homeless man. Wow. So, so this was the first audition mm-hmm. and you got cast? Yep. Unbelievable. I know. It's like weird. It is unbelievable. <laughs> this is so cool. And this was in Albuquerque, right? Right. Um, Albuquerque's yeah. a big hub for uh, TV and film production. They have like eight sound stages here. It was Albuquerque Studios and Netflix just purchased it and they're about 300 acres more, more land and built to need more sound stages. So wow. it's, it's big. Wow, wow, wow. Good grief. So you got the bug, you were bit and then, and then bam, you're in it. You're swimming. Yeah. Um, I um, tried to learn everything I could about it. Uh, started studying, uh, went through a couple, few acting, te- well, few acting teachers until I found one that I really connected with, which is, I thought, I think is key. Mm-hmm. And, um, Very much so. Um, uh, that uh, Maura Studi, uh, she's helped me out considerably. And um, so, yeah, that's where I am. And then I guess what helped my career as well, it's just things, just doors kind of somehow opened or, you know, said, hey, go over here. And uh, I got connected with uh, Native Voices at the Autry in Los Angeles. 
it's the only uh, Native American uh, equity theater in the country, I think. And um, pretty much anybody, any Native actor has, has gone through there. And um, Randy Reinholds started it and uh, with his wife, Jean Bruce Scott. Wonderful people. They helped me out a ton. I went and auditioned and um, they put me in, in shows. So uh, very grateful for them. And, you know, One Door Opens another one, met a casting director there uh, during the performance who just happens to cast a lot of Native American people and um, Renee Haynes. So that helped out considerably. Um, I don't really care for LA. Uh, it's too big, too, too did you end up did you end up moving there while you were doing this or did, mm -hmm. were you going back and forth between Albuquerque and Los Angeles or I was going back and forth and uh -huh. um, it's nice I had a, I had a place to stay so um. excellent excellent <laughs> just leave it at that okay okay <laughs> we're not gonna dig <laughs> um, so what was it like stepping onto that set for the very first time and like oh my gosh I can't imagine I can only imagine my heart would have been thumping in my chest it was um it was interesting because you know you go to wardrobe the day before and you get your your, your costume and um uh I just thought about it when I did the audition but that's kind of funny too um the first day on set I got there and it's just this is cool you know, there's somebody showing you around. You walk here, you go there. Here's your trailer. There's your your costume. Put that on. Here's your contract. Sign all this. We'll come get you. Here's some food. You know, they show you all around. And you don't really walk anywhere without somebody taking you. And um, my first day on set, um, you're in there with the, the actors. It was Longmire, um, the, the first, third season, I think, the Longmire's that I was on. And... Um, it was great. You walk in there and it really didn't hit me about what we were doing until we did the, uh, all the actors were in the room, uh, Kimberly, Robert, A, and um, I think a couple other people. And um, we just did a cold read real quick, read our lines, speed through, okay, did a little blocking. And then the director said, okay, we bring the, the camera crew in, you know, stay there so they can set up the shots. And it was cool. They just like picked up one wall and moved it. It's like, oh, that's way cool. <laughs> you know, so yeah. they can get the camera angles. And um, I have a thing where wherever I go, this is just how my mind works. I try to calculate the, the profit margins for anything. Restaurants I go into, amusement parks, wherever. It's like, okay, they're probably make assumptions. These are how many workers are there. This is probably how much uh, they're getting paid an hour. This is the ticket, you know, just that's just how my brain works. Um, so really? trying to figure out. Yeah. Wow. My brain uh, does not work like that at all. <laughs> That's very cool. Okay. So you're so you're sitting there calculating profit margins Cal on Calculating set. all the stuff. And then I well, that's, that leads up to this because I turned around and there are probably 20 people there with cameras, mics, sound, all sorts of stuff. And it hit me. It's like, oh my God. I would just, I couldn't even fathom how much these people are, 30, 40,000 bucks an hour or something like that. I'm just like, what am I doing here? Right. <laughs> and it was, it was like, okay, take a deep breath. You could do this, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. And my heart was, 
I bet. Oh my gosh. And it's weird because all the lines just go out the door. Yeah. And I'm like grabbing my sides. Okay, where are we? What seat am I in? What show am I? (laughs) It was it was intimidating, but then you you know you pull it together, and it was nice. um, Just doing improv with the other actors there while we're waiting and just cracking each other up, but it helped. And then uh, we went to it. And I was in two scenes in that one. And then um, this is how crazy the the productions are. Not crazy, but how I'm familiar. So I was just a day player, right? my first role ever. And um, um, we were in a, in a different scene in the bar scene. And we, we shot it. We did the rehearsal. The cameras are rolling. And I'm about halfway through my first um, lines and they went out the window. It was like, oh my God, <sighs> forgot. And I just felt bad because here's all these professionals and then there's me. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, oh um, my gosh. He cut and then I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then they're like, no, it's cool, it's cool. Just figure it out. And then they gave me like a minute and okay, go. And then we did it and it was fine. But during the breaks, because you know, the, they have to set up the different shots, um, and the different angles, my nose started uh, running a little bit. So I got up and I walked over to the bar and I was looking for a Kleenex, and, you know, for continuity, they don't want you touching anything. Mm-hmm. And there was a, uh, a bar napkin in the dispenser. So I went to go get it and somebody pops up right next to me. Uh, Can I help you, Kenneth? Um, like, oh, I just looking for a Kleenex. And he gets on his uh, walkie talkie. <coughs> Kenneth needs a Kleenex. I can get it I can get it it's okay and then then just magically a box of Kleenex you know is right there somebody's holding it and you know I grab one and he goes oh you might want to take two just in case oh good idea so I grabbed another one um, but it's weird it, it's different yeah um, yeah and oh my gosh I mean what a great show that is I I only watched it because I knew you were on it and I didn't know which episode you you were going to be on so I remember starting to watch it um watch the first couple episodes I'm like this is pretty good I think probably about episode three I was like oh this is this I'm in I'm yeah. in and then I just binged it and then I was I told my husband I was like so, so then I watched through all the seasons went back and John wa- watched them again with my husband <laughs> And then my, once my older son got old enough, I was like, you should really watch this show. This is really good. He (laughs) finished right through it too. So it's just, it's what a great show. What, what an amazing thing for you to um, have landed so quickly into something that was that good. I, uh, it's, it's luck, you know, luck plays in my life. And I think in a lot of people's lives, you know, luck is a factor. You, it's just it plays a part and yeah. it definitely played that in mine. Um, and they had me back three times. So that was, yeah. That and was you nice. did great work. Great work. Thank you. Thank you. Um, wow. wow. And then, so man, oh man, just, just amazing. When, so then you, you were doing theater as well. Theater is the absolute best. I love working on stage. You can't, you can't beat that. It's, I mean, it is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm more of a theater girl. I, I didn't, I didn't do much on camera. Um, so that's really my, my experience. Um, tell me, tell me what you love about it. 
I don't, in my opinion, you're not an actor unless you're a theater actor, stage actor, because when you're on doing, okay, TV and film are great. I love doing that. Pays significantly more than um, stage work. But in stage work and theater, you're in character, you're doing it all day, you know, trying to figure it out uh, in the rehearsal from the initial, from the initial table read, I'm trying to find the character. And, you know, when you work with other actors, you're in a zone, you're figuring it out, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, figuring out their movements, you're listening to them, watching to them, feeling what they're doing and trying to find the scene. And, oh no, that didn't work. And then try it again and try something else. So oh, that didn't work or that kind of worked. Let's take a piece of that and put this in until you get it. And then when you're just like, oh, it's like being in a zone. It's, it's amazing. It's like an, a, the endorphin is just like off the charts. It and... really is, isn't it? Yeah. I used to love my, I think my favorite part of, um, of doing theater was really, was the rehearsals. Uh, it was that process, that, that discovery process, um, watching a show come together, watching the growth of the other actors, figuring out how you fit in that, you know, your little, your part of the puzzle where you fit in and how you can tell the story. I mean, that whole thing, just so exciting. And for so, so many times for me, I get to the point of, um, tech rehearsal, which is usually about a week before you open. Right. Right. And all of a sudden they throw you in a costume. And so many times it would happen for me that I, that put on that costume for the first time and it would feel like everything just went ka-chunk. It just, it was like, oh yeah, now we're cooking with gas. Like that's the last little final piece of the puzzle I needed was that right, those shoes and this, you know, whatever it is, it just all comes together, you know, and so it, it, cool. It's like you, when you're a little kid, when you put on like the, your cape, you can fly. Right? It's the same thing with the costume, except for adults. <laughs> you, you, you can do it. <laughs> exactly. All of a sudden you go from like working with folding chairs to having the set and the costume and the lights and it all just comes together and you're like, whoa, it's just like magic. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it is so fun. And then it's like walking on a tightrope because you're doing it every night. Mm -hmm. And, um, and occasionally things go wrong and you don't let, let need to let the audience know that something really screwed up. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's um, like when I did a one flew with a cuckoo's nest, <laughs> I lead, I would, uh, my earlier plays, um, a fellow native actor, uh, he's six, four also Brandon, he lives in uh, Canada. He said, if you ever get a chance to do this role, you have to do it. And turns out, few months later, hey, you want to do this role? Like, absolutely. So um, it was uh, one of the scenes, you know, you're in the, in the, the, the nut house and um, McMurphy, uh, we're all in there and all the, the crazy people and me. And I'm, it was nice because, you know, Chief, he's just sweeping the floors in the periphery, just kind of taking everything in. Mm -hmm. And the orderly missed his entrance because he's supposed to come in and get us off stage. I forget for what, um, but he missed it just nobody's there and then there was this pregnant pause everybody's like oh crap and I'm I was fine because it's like I'm just standing there anyways and uh finally uh McMurphy <laughs> he says ad lib something you know I'm gonna go do this and, and get somebody so he goes off into the wings I'm thinking cool 
he's gonna figure it out and get us all off stage. And <laughs> from the wings, he just turns around and he just waves. <laughs> waves goodbye to us and disappears are you kidding me <laughs> inside i'm just like you mother. <laughs> it, it was funny we all ended up getting off it worked out but that was just like oh my god that's hilarious that's i that was a fun time that was that was good <laughs> wow Wow. Unbelievable. You know, it, you, it, just hearing you talk about this, this transition, it sounds like you just stepped into it kind of like, okay, this is it. This is what I do now. And did you have any feelings of, oh, holy shit, what am I doing? Like, were, were you scared? No. Um, I get nervous before every performance or before you know, you go on camera, you're always nervous, but that, that you know, goes away pretty quick. Um, it, it's funny, um, I've been a little more reflective uh, last few months. So um, my mom passed away in, in, in August, uh, six months ago. And Sorry. from when I was, um, uh, for as long as I can remember, since I was, you know, little boy, she's always told me, you can do anything you put your mind to. And that was the mantra. I've always heard it, but I never believed her, you know, that, yeah, if you, you're my mom. That's, you're supposed to tell me that. Right, um, right. But <laughs> as you go through life and I'm looking back at my life and thinking about things, it's, I guess it was drilled into me. It's like, I decide I'm going to do this and, and I did it you know, because of what she instilled in me subconsciously, it's there. It's like, you can do anything you put your mind. I never thought that I couldn't do it. If I say I'm going to do something, it's like, I'm just going to go do it. I'll figure it out. And hopefully it works out. What a gift she gave you. She was a great lady. She was such a sweet lady. Yeah. She was wonderful. Yeah. I lucked out there too. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So you just stepped in. That was it. Oh my goodness. Do you think if if you had done this kind of a shift earlier in your life, do you think you would have had the same sense of confidence? Or do you think that's something that came with being in your mid forties? Um, no, I, I, I couldn't have done this earlier. Um, uh, horribly insecure, um, as a person, um, and it would, in a, I no, I, I couldn't have done it because really wasn't confident of, of who I was or as a person. You know, wasn't comfortable in my own skin. It took a, a long time. I was in my thirties before I realized, huh, you have half a brain and you can do stuff. And uh, yeah, so um, I, I, I couldn't have done it earlier. But you know, the the flip side of that is you can't. Uh, judge your past by what you know today. So mm -hmm. um, I'm where I'm supposed to be because this is where I'm supposed to be and figure it out from here going yeah. forward. Yep, absolutely. It's uh, it's interesting that that whole idea of, I guess, you're making me think of um, regret, um, you know, and, and all the things. I, I don't, I don't really have regrets because I really truly feel like everything that I have done has brought me here. And I feel 
honestly, I feel like I've just led a charmed life. Yeah. I look at how things could have gone based on decisions I made. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I just, and and I just think, wow, no, it's all good. Things didn't turn out the way I thought I wanted them to turn out in so many ways, but they turned out just the way they needed to, you know? Yeah. You, you, you get here and, um, in spite of ourselves, we made it to our fifties. <laughs> Here we are. Somehow, which, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. When, what changed about, or what did you have to change in your life? Like, what were you doing for, for work before you started acting? And then did you keep doing that? Was this like, you were doing this on the side? How, how did all that practical part of your life pan out for you? So I've had my uh, real estate license since I was early, like 98, I think I've had my real estate license. And that's always been my full uh, fallback um, choice. Um, Mm -hmm. I love real estate, always have. That's what I did every Sunday, go look at open houses, you know, growing up. Um, with my mom. Me too. My mom, we were looky-loos. <laughs> Remember, what was it? That, that was like some some yeah. commercial or something that was looky-loos. My mom was like, that's us. Because she seriously, we went to look at houses all the time. That was my mom's favorite thing to do. Yeah, that was, that was great. <laughs> we love doing that. So you love so, real estate. I love that. I don't like sales. I'm a terrible salesman. I, you know, getting the, uh, getting clients. I do not like prospecting. Um, but once you know you get them, I I do a good job and um, flipped uh, properties as well. Um, it was difficult. Um, well, real estate it's it's a constant hunt for 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 customers and mm-hmm. and clients. And if it doesn't close, um, you don't get paid. Nothing. It's a hundred percent commission. And so it's a it's a difficult gig. Um, so I did that, and then from time to time I would, um, uh, I was like, I've had enough of this, I'm gonna go get her, you know, nine to five, and um, did that. And then this last time I worked for, um, uh, as, as a risk manager, traveled extensively across the country, and it was difficult. Um, couldn't do theater anymore uh, mm-hmm. because I was gone so much. Uh, travel, I think, fly 50,000 miles a year and then during the week I'd be driving you know anywhere from wow. 600 to 1200 miles um couldn't really do auditions uh for for um tv or, or film I missed quite a few and um and then just uh in June I left I left that job and it's worked out nice <laughs> that's um, great yeah. I was just thinking you know that that idea of um, real estate having being a hundred percent commission and uh, and always having to find customers, what perfect training for an actor. Because <laughs> seriously, like that's the job. The job of an actor is to audition, really. Mm-hmm. most of the time because you, you can't work and unless you go through that audition so you're always looking for customers and then there's that rejection rate that, that plays into it that's such a big part of being an actor um so you built up a great muscle 
for just being able to go in. And I, I'm starting to see that that played in probably pretty largely, would you think? You learn uh, about people, yeah, you know, the, the sales cycle, pre-qualify, demonstrate, overcome, and close. And you, yeah, you learn about people. You find out what their personalities are and tailor your pitch to their personality and, you know, look for their cues of how they're reacting to things and when, you know, to ask questions, when to be quiet and don't say a word <laughs> um, and just gentle gestures, you know, like somebody's thinking about it and they have a contract, they're on the fence and you just kind of hand a pin to them and they take it <laughs> and they, they do it. Um, you learn a lot about people and their emotions and um, yeah, it's especially in like in residential real estate, it's very emotion based. Um, people yeah. can emotions take over, but whereas like in the multifamily where I did a lot of that, um, it's all numbers. Um, numbers work. Yeah, let's do it. If not, move on. So hmm. yeah, wow. I never even really thought about that. That that completely makes sense. And I love you know, people watching and even, you know, people I, I, I talk to, I'm starting to, okay, so what are they wearing today? Why they do this? Are they right-handed? Are they left-handed? You know, are they getting nervous? Why did they fix their hair? What's, you know, just they're blinking. Are they paying attention? Um, starting to get into blink rates. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> counting um, blinks while you're calculating uh <laughs> while you're calculating profit margins profit margins on this coffee shop this shouldn't be open <laughs> oh my gosh um, were you were you feeling any kind of dissatisfaction with um with what you were doing that that do you think i mean i know that this was kind of like a, a switch that flipped for you um and and that it was like oh i'm gonna get out of yard work and i'm gonna go audition was there anything, as you look back now, do you see anything where it was like you weren't happy doing what you were doing or this was just like icing on the cake when you took it on? No, I was just trying to figure, figure it out. You know, just, I was always envious of people who, who knew, not envious, but um, that's not the right word. Well, maybe it is that who knew what they're supposed they, they wanted to do their whole life this is what i want to do this is what i want to be and they did it and me i was like i'm pretty sure i'm not supposed to be you know doing this or you know selling real estate isn't it you know mm -hmm. um and then when once i figured out acting and that's what i wanted to do and then i had this uh, really uh uh good job uh, as a risk manager, it, um, it, it butted heads. One was paying well, the other one is what I wanted to do. And mm -hmm. uh, you miss auditions, you're gone all the time, you can't do theater anymore. And it really affected me. I wasn't my best self in the position, mm -hmm. um, my attitude, and it affected my sleep. I would wake up insomnia, terrible insomnia. Um, there's nights I'd sleep an hour, wake up three constantly and be up all day. Mm -hmm. um, since I left that job, um, 
I sleep till six, sometimes seven in the morning, and it's great. And I have dreams. <laughs> wow. And if you seriously, if you're not sleeping, that is really dipping into your recovery time and all kinds of stuff. That's yeah. My hair started turning gray. I'm like, what the heck? Being 53 <laughs> has nothing to do with that. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do you see yourself going from here? Like, what do you, what do you think is next? Um. I, um, I want to be an actor and, uh, hopefully, um, I don't need to move to LA to do that. Uh, everything that's going on here in, in Albuquerque to have a good chance of that. And I'd like to do more theater and, um, uh, like a long range dream is, um, to have my own, own theater here and, um, black box theater. Yeah. Uh, I would like it to be a, a hundred percent, you know, native productions because there's not that many, but uh, the economics of it just, that just doesn't work. You need an audience to, to come in and fill the seats. So um, you do some native theater and, and other, because there's a lot of wonderful native playwrights out there um, and shows that I, that I want to want to do, but that we'll, sounds we'll see so exciting. how that goes. And um and I couldn't do it without, you know, the support of my, my wife. Um, it was funny when my first show that I was doing, coming home from a performance, and I told her, I said, I want to be an actor. And she didn't skip a beat. And she said, if you're going to go do it, go do it. So that's amazing. Um, man, it was, uh, it's great to have support when you need it like that. Yeah. And if that doesn't work out, um, go fly cargo planes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So wait a minute. Go fly cargo planes. Tell me more. Um, so a friend of mine has been a pilot his whole life and we were just reconnecting and just started talking. I said, yeah, I've always wanted to be a pilot, but never could because I'm legally blind in one eye. And he goes, you can still be a pilot. I'm like, what? And he said, yeah. Do you have any can you see colors? I'm like, yeah. Is your other eye corrected to 2020? He's like, uh-huh. And he goes, I know pilots with one eyeball. I was like, no way. Really? <laughs> he says, yeah, you got to take a, get a statement of demonstrated ability, soda number. And um, there's some things you got to go through. He goes, yeah, you can, you can fly planes. Like, a month later, I was, you know, taking my FAA uh, flight physical and uh, they said, you are good to go. So started flying and um took up flying and um yeah so i'm doing that i went and flew a, a flight simulator 737 flight simulator at a, a major airline their training place it was like a weekend thing to do it was really intense yeah i mean flying the once my little 172 compared to 737 principles applied to the same you just got more buttons on the 737 and uh wow. that was the big planes don't do it for me. I like the little planes. So mm -hmm. these little feeder planes that go into the small towns that go out, you know, in the morning and come back at night with the cargo, yeah. that's mm -hmm. perfectly fine by me. You know, you get to fly. I don't really want to do the, 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 the big stuff. Um, and I could do theater, community theater. That so. sounds like a great plan. <laughs> That we'll, is so we'll see cool. how it works out. <laughs> I am, oh, wow. See, this is the thing. 
we just have to stay open, I think, and not, not settle, you know, there, when you said you were envious of people who always knew what they wanted, I think, I think that having a little bit of jealousy or envy um, can be such a clue to, to what it is you really want, you know? And uh, if we pay attention and don't, you know, don't just say, oh, this is it. This is my life. It's, uh, it's just, I guess it's amazing to me. Like we, we just, I feel like people get to, to this point and we have a sense of ourselves, an idea of ourselves at this point. And I think so often we hold ourselves back from stepping into something new. And I, I just think it's so exciting that you don't hold yourself back like that, that you are, you know, you, you just stepped into doing the acting and now you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to look into being a pilot. That's next. Let's see where this goes. And then things just, you say it's luck, but it's, it's part, part of it is making a decision, I think, and, and stepping into stuff. And yeah, things start to come together. Yeah. And it's just one door opens another. And, you know, that as you're, you're, you're talking there um, about being envious of about people knowing what they wanted to do. I remember, and it, it just clicked, you know, like ray of light. When I was little, I, I wrote, read an article uh, in a, in a magazine it was called, um, I wanted to do it all about a guy who had a list of things he wanted to do in his life and just start checking them off and doing it. And I was telling my wife about it when I first met her and she found me the article and printed it out, which was cool. Um, but, (laughs) but I was like, oh yeah, I remember reading this as a little boy. And I was like, oh my God, I want to do that. And then now as we're talking, it's like, holy cow, I wanted to do all sorts of stuff. Um, when I was little, I wanted to be an oceanographer, an archaeologist, play for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, be a professional ballet dancer, be a Green Beret, um, wanted to do and write for National Geographic. And um, I didn't do any of those, but um, I've done quite a bit and every little piece happened because it was supposed to and got me to where I am now. And I'd love to do acting forever. But if that's not it, I'll find something else to do. Yeah. You know what? I I don't know if you've found this, but um, I also have a lot of interests. And uh, one of the things I love about acting is just getting to pretend. It's that pretend. It's stepping into that world of being another person for a little while. Um, That kind of is, it kind of, you know, course you're not you're not whatever that is but it gives you that sense of of freedom and 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 letting your mind go to to being that person or having that experience and and really thinking about what would that be like if i got to do that um and it isn't it the best like when you're finding the character and you're going through it and the character like moves an arm or turns you this way or the character takes over your body is that so cool or what that's when you know you're in it <laughs> yes that is so cool what a great little what a great journey you've been on and i'm excited to see where you take this 
Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out and hopefully it includes a stage or production somewhere. Just, I just thank you. Thanks for doing this with me. Thank you. I had a, had a good time. Well, there you have it. You know, it occurs to me that Kenneth brought up something that's been coming up a lot in my recent conversations with friends and other guests like Rachel Strabley and Camila Reed Perel. I'm talking about sleep disruption and how our bodies talk to us. I was also in several conversations in Clubhouse this week where people shared their stories of transformation that started with some sort of illness that stopped them short in their tracks and demanded a change in their lives. You know, when we don't pay attention to our heart's desire, eventually the body will scream to be heard. The body holds all kinds of intelligence and information that we should be listening to. And the question is, are we going to wait for something to go horribly wrong? Or can we pick up the cues earlier, listen to our bodies, notice our thoughts, and start making the changes we need to live fulfilled lives? The thing is, this is an ongoing process. Notice that Kenneth stopped acting after a while to take a survival job that wasn't a good fit. And that's when the insomnia hit him. We all do this, I think. It's like two steps forward, one step back, or one step forward, two steps back. You know, just like Mad-Eye Moody from Harry Potter says, it requires constant vigilance. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, I'm a dork. Anyway, that said, if you want to know more about Kenneth, I will have that information for you in the show notes. Just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 40. And that's also where you can find a link to sign up for the five steps to your midlife reboot. Hey, before you get on with the rest of your day, can you take a moment to leave a review or a rating or let a friend know about the podcast? Reviews help other people find the podcast and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.